Part 1 Chapter 1 Project Dude Inventory As I stared at my computer screen, I was speechless and stunned. It displayed the following. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Galatians 5.24 NIV What in the world? I have, I thought to myself. This does not describe me, and I do belong to Christ. Or at least, I thought I did. It was as if out of nowhere I was standing all alone. Nothing was in my universe except my eyeballs staring at those words. I sat not even knowing who I was for what seemed like a lifetime, but it was only seconds. Horrific. How could I have overlooked this after all this time in God's Word? Had I ever read this before? I had to have read it. What had I done then? Had I just moved past it, hastily, chalking it up as another one of those nice thought God, but not in this lifetime, that's for sure, verses? I thought I had done everything I needed to do. Sure, I knew it was not about me. Rather, it was all about Jesus and what he had done. Nevertheless, I was still compelled to examine my journey to this point. Let's see. I received Christ. Check. I accepted and received his forgiveness. Check. I followed him daily. Check. I resolved to resist temptation daily. Check. I preached. I exhorted. I posted. I shared. Check. 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 Yet I could not believe my eyes. This Bible verse was so succinct, so penetrating, and so unavoidable. For the first time in my life, I sensed in my spirit God stopping me at this particular verse. Since then, my understanding of who I truly am has never been the same. Maybe you're like me. Perhaps. Maybe you have learned your entire Christian walk. You are actually two different people, two different natures, a good you and a bad you. Dude, if you are supernaturally born from above and believing this to be true, let me share something with you. You are missing out on God's abundance of grace, all designed specifically for you. Please know I'm aware this is a contended subject. Even so, I'm here to tell you, God did not supernaturally recreate you into some split personality being. This has to be stated right out of the gate. Not just once, but multiple times. Repetition is the mother of learning, I've heard it said. Therefore, please allow me to make sure I don't disappoint. Know this, you are one new dude, Christian. Uno. The Lord has given no indication in his word he intends for you to perplexedly sojourn through this life as if you were some scattered, partially redeemed human being. No way. You are one new dude. You are not two different people dwelling inside of one body. Isn't this good news? As a new creation, a partaker in the divine nature, you are currently confined to your not-yet-but-soon-to-be-redeemed body, or flesh. Now, this might sound a bit disconcerting at first blush. However, I'm here to tell you, it's a galaxy away from disconcerting. Once you benefit from its reality in your life, you will likely never be the same. Why? Because you will begin to receive everything Jesus has done for you. At the moment of conversion, whether or not you felt this, realized this, or none of the above, Jesus supernaturally recreated you as one new dude. It was supernatural. Please begin to let this truth marinate throughout your being. By God's grace, the real you has been catapulted into existing as a partaker in the divine nature. Your unredeemed flesh is the body you will shed one of these days ahead, perhaps in the not-too-distant future. That is all. That is it. One new dude. You exist as one unique, 
distinct, and saved individual, thanks to your Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. You have one spirit, one heart, one mind, one nature, one righteousness, and one soul. Critics may talk. Are you a people pleaser or a God pleaser? Are you still trying to please men? Of course you're not. You trust the Lord ultimately. Am I right? So now, if you are willing to receive God's grace in full, you can walk in true newness of life. A newness of life you may well have never experienced before. It is my privilege to bring to you encouragement, standing upon the eternal word of God, entirely by God's grace alone. Why all the confusion? So you might be saying to yourself, Jay-Z, I'm really confused now. I've never been taught what you're teaching. Are you really serious, dude? I am serious, dude. So let me ask you this. How many times have you heard you have two natures? Can you even begin to count? I doubt you can. I certainly wouldn't be able to count for myself either. Christians are not in full agreement on this matter. One thing you can be sure of, though, is... Your adversary Satan prowls like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. For you to walk in victory and authority spells more bad news for him. For you to actually take God at his word causes Satan and his demons to tremble. They trembled in the presence of Jesus. If Jesus is in you, they are not really excited about it. Yes, Satan and demons are real. Hopefully you already get this. Causing confusion within your mind is one last weak but clever attempt of the enemy to subdue you as a child of God. Satan doesn't want you to discover the truth about yourself. Are you kidding me? Satan wants to paralyze you in your new life, even if this new life has been for 20 or 40 years already. It suits your adversary just fine to suggest Jesus accomplished less for you than he actually did. Consider this. Jesus goes ahead and does a bunch of mind-blowing, life-altering stuff for you at the cross. Then, true to form, Satan twists scripture, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. Satan's a liar. Satan will whisper, you aren't new. Okay, maybe you're kind of new, but it's not guaranteed, and there's a real good chance the old you is going to win out. Satan wants to leave you confused, off-balance, and with a false sense of humility. The liar doesn't want you fully embracing the only covenant belonging to you, the new one. Mix them together instead. Do it intentionally or unintentionally, I don't care, he hisses. Just make sure you reject the true gospel of grace promised in the new covenant. Stay in the old covenant. Replace pure grace with a watered-down version of what really happened at the cross. Missing what God has for you would suit your enemy just fine. Don't walk in abundance. Don't release your God-given authority into the world being governed by the prince of the power of the air. Recede. Shrink back. Call yourself a sinner until you forget what a son is. Tell everyone how wicked you are and how you just can't wait to be with Jesus instead of stomping out lies in hell here and now. How does this tragedy happen? It happens for at least a few reasons, I would propose. Perhaps you'd be willing to consider these reasons. 1. Awareness Maybe you have not been made aware of specific supernatural accomplishments of Christ at the cross, all for your new life benefit. He's a sacrificial, loving God, isn't he? He did not spare his only son for you. You are precious to him. You can see this as you observe the cross of Calvary. Interestingly enough, the earliest printed Bibles with Bible commentaries appear to have been used at seminaries. If these Bible commentaries side with a two-natured view over a one-natured view, 
Is it any surprise the sinful nature coexisting with the divine nature view would be the dominant view in the church today? Know this. I love Christ. I love his church. I love all of my brothers and sisters because love is a choice and Jesus lives in me. Martin Luther loved as well. Paul loved, Jesus loved, and loves. Yet, Bible truth has a way of shaking up popular views, doesn't it? Those in disagreement with the gospel of grace on any level have historically considered themselves to be on the same side as God. As we have learned over time, this does not always secure a position actually on the side of God's word. We have to be very careful we don't end up misunderstanding grace. Granted, the suggestions and exhortations of this book may fall short in a number of areas. At the same time, holding to and never letting go of what could be less than God's best is not to be applauded. Consider that which God has put before you and test it to see if he might not have more for you to discover. 2. Receiving Maybe you have been made aware of the truth of what Jesus has done for you. However, perhaps you have yet to come to a place of fully receiving all aspects of what Christ has accomplished on your behalf. We'll try to uncover and point out what those particulars might be as we proceed through this book. I believe it will bless you. 3. Belief Another reason might be there is a lack of simple belief. Uh-oh, this strikes me as the right time for an urgent disclaimer. Urgent. Please understand this up front. My objective is not to attack the measure of faith God has given you. I believe I have been called to exhort you, to comfort with the comfort I have received. Your faith is precious to God, and without it, it's impossible to please Him. So you need to keep what you have and build upon it. My goal is not to rob you of this, because we all could stand to have our faith increased, amen? On the same note, I'm not here to tear you down. Rather, my desire is to build you up. With this clarified, let's go ahead and continue towards the point. The point suggests the possibility of any one of us lacking simple belief, a childlike faith in what God says. I heard a sermon recently mentioning, it's the faith of Christ that matters, not our own faith. It's an interesting angle. It's actually encouraging because we fall short, but Jesus never does. In a very real sense, I have no issue with the idea of getting and keeping our eyes focused upon Jesus. He is always the answer, to be sure. This conceded, you and I certainly do participate in our walk with God, exercising and activating the faith that has been given, do we not? For example, Jesus always seems to encourage people to put legs to their faith when he performs miracles, doesn't he? Remember when Peter stepped out of the boat? How about when Jesus asked the one guy, Do you want to be healed? The man indicated he did desire to be made well, yet he made an appeal to Jesus he required assistance. When he did so, Jesus told him he was healed and to get up and walk. In both cases, legs were put to each person's faith. This is precisely why the role we play in believing God or not believing God is so vital. God allows us to participate in his miracles and sovereign plan through faith in him. What a privilege! Don't forget, when Abraham believed God, when he took God at his word and trusted what God said, he was made right with God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Do you remember? This is a key takeaway as we proceed through this discovery process. So what about this point, Jay-Z? Why are you laying such a long foundation and emphasizing this point so drastically? Incredibly, as has been the case in my life, perhaps you have been glossing over major revelations in Scripture. 
You may be reading them, but are you recognizing their significance and trusting what they say as Holy Spirit-inspired text? Jay-Z, why would you suggest I might have been and still may be glossing over certain scriptures? Perhaps it's because I caught myself doing it. This doesn't necessitate you must be doing the same thing, but it never hurts to make sure, right? Your identity hangs in the balance. As I considered my own shortcomings, I wondered, could I be the only one doing the math that doesn't match up with what I'm reading? I mean, is it that unlikely as sheep we could, at times, camp upon and settle for just one view, even when there are more to consider? We never take the path of least resistance or settle into any comfort zones, do we? Let me be the first to admit it. I have done this more than once. I am certain of it. For those of us who might struggle at times, perplexedly shaking our heads at certain scriptures, there is hope. You do not need to run back to verses which seem to infer personal effort or make you the focus any longer. The Lord has taken the battle out of your hands. Here's a sampling of the types of verses I'm referring to. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20 NIV Or how about this one? Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Romans 6.6 NASB The past tense verses in the Bible about the old self, which include these verses, appear to be succinct and singled out as opportunities for both you and me to activate our faith. They are there for us to trust the specific truths God is revealing to us, no matter how unbelievable they may seem. Is this not a reasonable conclusion, based upon the text? God is breaking it down for us, as it were. The job of the believer, which is you if you are saved, is to believe, isn't that right? However, what can you and I so easily fall prey to? How about this, for example? Rather than focusing on the types of verses above, the ones revealing the old self is now dead, we get caught up in the war between the spirit and the flesh. The flesh still possesses certain misdeeds of the old self. Those deeds would manifest in certain ugly acts or behaviors, were it not for the power of the Holy Spirit putting those deeds to death. In fact, just because one has the Holy Spirit does not ensure he cannot be grieved and quenched. Instead, let it be the vestiges of the old self which no longer breathe. Knowing who you are as a new creation has its benefits. You are not to be a divided, off-balanced, and confused new creation. This isn't Christ's plan for you. Be the new creation who is the undivided, intentional, and purposeful inner man. This conversely causes your walk to take on a whole new experience, just as Jesus planned for you. In any case, I would invite you to consider, in a certain sense, not all senses, but in a certain sense, these verses we sometimes focus upon do not immediately steady our minds upon what Jesus has accomplished. You and I can instead get caught up into who we once were, what we once had, as well as the remaining challenges of walking in faith. When these deterrents and detractions cloud our vision to what's really going on and everything seems to pile on, one negative thought after another, you can easily find yourself off-balanced and even discouraged. Almost instantly, the appropriate focus gets thrown out of kilter. Warning! Warning! My focus is no longer on Jesus. It's on me! Christian, how were you saved? Were you saved by your own efforts or by God's gift? What have you ever merited on your own before a holy God? We're all listening. Exactly. Nothing. 
God has done it all in Christ. I do understand. I do empathize. We like to work for things, even after we get saved, right? It's a trap. Don't buy into the hype. Even still, we have to remain focused. We need to major in the majors. Regardless of the sin that remains in your unredeemed body, God has supernaturally recreated you if you have been born twice. It's not about rejecting what God is telling us Christ has done. It's not about trying to win what Christ has already won. It's about taking God at his word and sticking to the plan. It's about receiving, not achieving. Granted, many of us are still getting used to being a new creation while we're still occupying this unredeemed body of ours. I'll raise my hand first on this. As a forgiven child of God, the new you, the new dude, wills to beat back its unredeemed flesh, or body. Your heart's desire now is it would not rule you as it once did. That was when you were degenerate, or not yet regenerated by the power of God's Holy Spirit. It's a terrific sign. It's consistent with a regenerated heart. Your body has gotten used to getting what it wanted when it wanted it, and this was oftentimes outside of God's boundaries. Isn't that right? Sadly, concentrating on self-effort instead of what Jesus has accomplished and offers as a gift shifts the focus back to you instead of remaining on Jesus. Your focus belongs on Christ. This is where it must remain in order for you to have the victory, relying completely upon Jesus. Friend, I know enough from personal experience as to what it can be like to have an identity crisis. Do not feel all alone. If you think you still have an old man, I'm making the exhortation to you. I'm on your team, and so is the Lord. Jesus is bigger than any crisis we may face. Amen? Amen. Here's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. As stated before, critics may talk. They may mean well and refer to the Bible for truth, and those with a different view mean well and refer to the Bible for truth as well. For any critics, let's maintain our love for each other in the spirit of Christ and establish some logic. Either you have two natures or just one nature. If two natures existing in the believer is correct, then I, along with legitimate and otherwise seasoned expositors, am correct about what God has revealed. On the other hand, if holding to a double-natured view is incorrect, then those who oppose this view, including myself, and hopefully you after you read this book, are correct. Regardless, under no circumstance can both be right at the same time in the same sense. This would be contradictory. No matter what the outcome of your belief, we are all one body, and love is what we are being conformed to as these matters are discussed. We're simply examining what Christ has done and given to us as a gift. So long as it's discussed in love and to build up, we should be able to take a closer look at things without injuring each other. Driving more closely to the point, many Christians are in an identity crisis. The stakes could not be higher as I see it. Let's make an observation. Fighting something or someone who has already been crucified and buried is like chasing a mirage. Your job, as well as mine, is to believe what God has said. It's the Word of God that converts the soul, is it not? Why might you or other Christians think we have both an old nature and a new nature? Please allow me to take a stab at it, if I may. Apart from how the facts have already been digested, could it be because it's been ingrained into your soul over the years, week after week, month after month? Is it possible? No other view could possibly make sense? Tragic, my friend. Tragic. I couldn't be more fired up than I am at this moment as I begin to share these amazing truths with you. 
It's about the Lord and what He has done for you. I've walked around confused and beating myself up for years. God's Spirit so moved me when He revealed this to me, I had to tell you about it. I'm not even kidding. Once I received and trusted what God said and says, my life was transformed. A simple attitude adjustment does wonders in life, doesn't it? How much more when we adjust our attitude to line up in faith with the living God? He is good. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Not casually seek Him, diligently seek Him. Like, Jesus, what did you really do for me at the cross? I want to know. Something like that. Diligently. Everybody has an opinion, but the Holy Spirit says to you today, I tell you the truth. Two teachers or believers may have a different take on what has been revealed to us by God in the Bible. As you consider the differing views, seek the Holy Spirit and He will guide you to the right answer. With that said, hold on to your seat because it is on now. In investigating one new dude, you have officially been placed on notice. You will now need a different bucket to account for the reason why you still are capable of committing sin. You will come to discover your usual bucket is no longer available. It will be akin to having a security blanket torn away from you. What will you do now? How will you view yourself and your Savior? Are you ready for it? Let's hope so. This brief time you have to walk by faith and receive God's promises is ticking away. The Spirit of God encourages us. Out with the old and in with the new. Staying open to God's Word as we move forward, some quick questions for you beforehand. If Jesus accomplished something on your behalf and you have not been made fully aware of it, would this be valuable information to you? Is it worth discovering and then receiving? Are you prepared to be a recipient of all of God's grace? Is there any chance you could be rejecting a certain portion of grace, intentionally or unintentionally? Let's say on this broader issue of grace you are simply unsure. We all experience times of uncertainty, this is common. Yet, when it comes to this matter of grace, how important is it we continue to let God open our eyes? We don't see everything at once usually, right? Oftentimes, it takes some time to put things together. I would offer this is one of those cases. The case of your identity as it relates to what your Savior has accomplished for you. We want to see and know as much of what He has done and what He is offering, don't we? Be encouraged to remain open to reasonable scriptural viewpoints, even if those viewpoints don't automatically match up with your current comfortable position. You can do so without allowing me, or anyone else for that matter, to take you for a ride. If you have been studying your Bible, then you likely have enough of a root system in place to at least entertain varying viewpoints held by other Christians. We know ultimately the Lord wrote the book. It's the Lord who's going to counsel you as you seek Him. You can't go wrong if you trust in the Lord. In any case, that's how absolutely astonishing this matter of identity is to me now. Like you may be right now, I found myself unsure. By the way, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Just be prepared to accept the answers, is what I have learned. Being unsure is where it all started for me. It was a place of no longer being certain when I thought something was certainly certain. My identity. As it turns out, I was missing God on this critical matter of identity. I was glossing over verses Jesus was serious about me accepting, and he still is. This is why we keep reading God's word, amen? If it doesn't all compute the first or even the fiftieth time, 
or if some things are just too hard to believe at the onset, God is patient toward you. I caught myself sitting in bewilderment when reading from Galatians 5.24. It stared me right in the face, and I had no answer for it. Everything stopped for me. The words in this verse no longer permitted me to ignore them. They were not matching up, and I was utterly befuddled. My choice, as I saw it, was twofold. One, blow it off. Don't change your mind. In other words, don't repent. Proceed forward, even if it means do not pass go on God's promises for me. Two, do not blow it off. Do change your mind. In other words, do repent. Take God at his word, and then proceed. Pass go. Receive all the Savior has done. Intentionally walk as the true new creation God has created. I chose the latter, which is a big reason why we're here. Hallelujah. Remain open. Dude, this is your identity now being discussed. I've heard it said sometimes people can be so open-minded their brains fall out. I'm not asking you to do this. Receiving what God has gifted to you with palms up in no way requires you to discount coexisting truths of Scripture. As believers, we still do have indwelling sin. There is a battle going on. However, the specifics surrounding the battle with sin, along with convenient categories or buckets, oftentimes adopted, may not always be consistent with Scripture. I want to avoid this inconsistency, don't you? This is why I point you to much more exhaustive and edifying studies later on, in the Resources section. In this book, the goal is much more to exhort and encourage you in Christ than it is to deal with every aspect concerning this supernatural work of God in a true believer. We will get in-depth to a certain degree, yet it's not as thorough and comprehensive as would be necessary to respond to every respected theologian or Christian who differs in their view. Nevertheless, we are discussing your true identity in the midst of an invisible war where everything counts. These matters are not trivial. If you know a lot about grace, then more reinforcement certainly isn't going to hurt. If you're still seeking to better understand the magnitude of God's grace, then what you consider in this book, as it relates to Scripture, definitely will not hurt you. This isn't any attempt to add any books to the Bible, either. It's not the Bible plus this book, as in the cults of the enemy's army. This book asks each reader to take a closer look at specific scriptures that hold the key to your identity. God offers to each of us this amazing thing called repentance, as you probably already know. Repentance is not about crawling on broken pieces of glass to earn God's favor, nor is it about performing certain religious rituals, right? It's about changing your mind. You thought one way about something, but then you decided it made better sense to change your mind about the thing. You are quite possibly already aware of this because you have experienced it if or when you came to Christ. You thought one way about your lifestyle and position before God, but then God showed you the truth and you changed your mind. Isn't that right? Now the same reasoning applies to you as a blood-bought child of God. If walking in truth always had to do with the most popular view or getting everybody's approval, you would have never come this far, now would you have? In this little journey, we're going to take inventory of not only the things Jesus has done for you, but you will also be challenged by the Spirit of God. This is because we'll continue referring to the Word, and it will challenge you and change you. God will challenge you to receive and to keep receiving. How you currently view such revelation will serve to be a good indicator as to where you are in your faith walk. You have every reason to get excited if you are not already.
This is a pursuit of identity discovery. We're going to have an inexhaustive, yet in my opinion, an eternally insightful and eye-opening journey. It will be a journey into certain highlights and even some specifics of what God has revealed and wants you to know. God wants you to discover all He has done on your behalf in Christ. Not just the things you already may know, but to have a deeper and more solid awareness of those things. That you would have a fresh, new understanding of God's goodness as it relates to who you are. This is about the new you Jesus has supernaturally created within the decaying yet soon-to-be-redeemed vessel you occupy called a body. When you say to yourself, God is good, you will hopefully agree with me, that ain't the half of it. Jesus is amazing. He also thinks you are amazing. With this, if you have good reasons to change your mind about a thing we explore, perhaps even something you've held on to for a very long time, then by all means, accept God's gift of repentance and change your mind. It's okay to change your mind. Truly humble people change their mind when it makes good sense to have a change of mind. You don't have to have each and every answer. I certainly don't. But let me remind you once more. Don't trade what God has said clearly for those things which may not be so clear in Scripture. Remember this exhortation as you proceed through this book. Think as you stand upon God's Word and as you depend upon and ask the Holy Spirit to illumine your mind. The One who created you is happy to tell you in what ways He has recreated you. Inventory Rather than trade what we know for what we don't know, maybe it's time we take inventory. Why don't we begin to explore or even re-explore some of the highlights the Lord has promised to you and accomplished for you already? It occurred about 2,000 years ago, way back when Jesus Christ paid your sin penalty on the cross. If Jesus is your Savior and Lord, you have a lot to be excited about. If Jesus is not your Savior and Lord as of yet, then you too can gain a better understanding of what there is to get so excited about in Jesus. Your Creator is madly in love with you. He places tremendous value upon you as a living soul. He has amazing things in store for you if you'll seek Him and trust Him. He wants you in the family of God. This is why He sent His Son. Coming up in the ensuing chapters, we will Explore what God says about your heart. Since you have accepted Jesus, what does God say about your heart now? How many hearts do you have, anyways? Can you clarify for me, God? Yes, He can, He has, and he will. Explore what God says about your mind. What revelation has God given to you about your mind? How many minds do you have? Does it matter what I think about what's going on in my head? It matters, dude. God wants you to have your head on straight, and he's given you just what you need to do it. Well, we're not done yet, dude. We're just getting started. We will also explore what God says about your nature. So much to cover here. Who are you? God knows, and He's going to tell you. He's already told you, but maybe we need to dig a bit deeper, shall we? Let's knock down the walls and clear out all of the clutter in this mammoth chapter as God opens your eyes to the real you. Explore what God says about your righteousness. Oh, you were not planning on standing before God on Judgment Day all on your own, were you? Of course not. This is why you came to Jesus, right? Never again focus on your performance before God. Only believe. Only trust. See what God does with it. Explore what God says about your spirit. Could God's revelation about your spirit be any more crucial to your identity? Tell me you said no. No way, dude. 
it can't be any more crucial. God's going to drive home more eternal truth to help you stay on point. Since God is spirit, you can bank on your spirit playing a critical role in your identity and relationship with your Creator. God doesn't want you confused. He wants you to walk intentionally, alive, and seeing in true color. Explore what God says about your soul. What's a good way to understand your soul? Is your soul temporary or eternal? Where did your soul come from? Are you the owner of your soul? We'll take a brief look at what you've got as well as some other helpful information God provides for you.